Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Vice President of Global Alliances and Channels at Amazon Web Services, Terry Wise. Wow. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Welcome to the seventh installment of the Global Partners Summit here at reInvent, the biggest one ever. It's, it's just fantastic to spend today and this week with such a passionate group of partners who are working with us to innovate on behalf of our mutual customers. The cost savings, the speed and agility, the innovation and the economic value add we're providing to our mutual customers is just astounding. You know, I had a chance to walk around the uh, expo hall last night and uh, just amazed at the number of solutions and services that our partners are providing for the customer community. So thank you for all of you who are sponsoring uh, reInvent this year. reInvent is over 50,000 people this week, which is an amazing number. Actually, I, technically, I think that that makes Las Vegas HQ2 for Amazon, at least for this week. But uh, a lot going on here. So. You know, if we look at the, the growth that we've seen in just the last seven years, the, the slide on the left is what we uh, had the Partners Summit about seven years ago. There were hundreds of people in the room. This year, the event will be over 10 times the size uh, that it was. And during that time, the partner ecosystem itself has grown over 30 times on a global basis, so tremendous growth along those dimensions. And you know, during today, we've got an exciting lineup of speakers that are going to share some really uh, inspiring stories. We've got two great customers uh, that are going to talk a, a little bit about what they're doing. Globe Telecom out of the Philippines and Allianz Insurance out of Germany. Terrific cases of how they're moving to the cloud and how they're using the partners to accelerate that journey. Uh, we've got two great partners that are innovating along with AWS for a number of years now. Sumo Logic and Slalom Consulting are going to share some of their tips and tricks for success on building their business around AWS and the cloud. Uh, Dave McCann is going to share some exciting new innovations and updates around Marketplace, and we're going to wrap things up with a fireside chat with Andy Jassy. And I figure if I can keep Andy Jassy up on stage long enough, maybe he'll give us a little bit of insight into where HQ3 is going to be, or maybe HQ4 and 5. I can't keep track of it anymore. But uh, we're going to have, uh, close out the show with Andy. Now, when I look at, uh, I've had the chance to, to travel around the world this year. I met with huh, hundreds of customers, thousands of partners, and the thing that is most inspiring to me is how the customers are telling the partner's story. These are just some of the, the references and quotes that are being provided, but there's literally thousands of new customer references that have come out just this year about all of the great work that you're doing uh, on behalf of our, our customer base. Now, one of the things we like to talk about is you know, the growth of the overall industry, the growth of the business, and the growth of the ecosystem. You know, last quarter, we announced that uh, AWS, the business itself, has grown 46% year over year compared to uh, 2017 on a, uh, the Q3 year over year, which is great growth. But what's more exciting is the growth we're seeing in the partner-led business. You all are helping to drive you know, an outsized level of growth uh, for not just for AWS and our customers, but for yourselves. And I'll touch on a few of these examples real quick. First, let's look at managed services. Uh, customers continue to demand and look for managed services, both tools and professional services at an accelerating rate. As a matter of fact, this business is growing about two times the overall rate of the AWS business and is being led by 115 uh, certified MSP partners. Big business, frankly, there's more demand out there than there is supply in the partner ecosystem, so we need more partners to, 
uh, to, to join us in this MSP journey. Let's look at uh, partner attach rate and leads. This is some of the biggest feedback you've given us over the last few years. You're saying, hey, do more with us to build our business in the field. And I'm proud to say that we've heard you. We've made big progress. We've got a good ways to go. But just in this past year, we've delivered hundreds of thousands of new leads through our marketing efforts to our partner community, which is greatly uh, accelerated. Uh, last year, it was tens of thousands. This year, it's hundreds of thousands. Uh, in some of our market segments, actually, the vast majority of the opportunities that we're closing now have one or more partners attached on the front end. So we're accelerating uh, the work that we're doing together in the field, collaborating together very effectively on the front end of the customer engagement. And the most exciting number is when you look at the deal size, the opportunity size that we're closing together when we're working together on the front end of the sales cycle, it's three and a half times what it was just in 2017. So terrific growth in volume in terms of the business opportunity. Now I'll uh, take a look at mass migrations. One of the biggest drivers of that, of that attach rate is mass migrations. Uh, customers are moving out of their data centers, they're moving enterprise applications, they're moving databases at an accelerating rate. And we've seen 4x the growth rate of mass migrations year over year. Uh, terrific, forex uh, uh, in terms of partner-led mass migrations. And this isn't just you know, a few applications. We're talking hundreds and thousands of applications that we're moving together over time. So terrific growth there. Put our attention towards Aurora. Customers are speaking in volumes. They're saying, please help us get off of punitive, difficult, expensive commercial database licenses and get to cloud-based, cloud-native-based uh, database services. And Aurora is one of the fastest-growing services of all time. Partners are leading the way here in just the last two years. The partner-led Aurora business has actually grown seven times uh, in that short amount of time. So terrific uh, growth rate, accelerating growth rate. And it's actually ISVs that are now standardizing their products or certifying their products on Aurora that are really helping to, to drive that growth. We've seen a 9x increase in the number of ISVs that are now adopting Aurora as an underpinning database for their products. It's companies like BMC and Trend Micro and Infor and Autodesk. Uh, so it's big enterprise companies as well as many of the, uh, the emerging upstarts. So terrific growth there. Turn our attention a little bit to enterprise applications for a moment. Now, customers are not just you know, moving web apps on databases. They're moving mission-critical enterprise applications. Uh, and I'll touch on three areas uh, here. First being SAP. We've had a terrific engineering relationship with SAP over the last eight and a half years. We have thousands of customers that have now deployed uh, production SAP applications on AWS, including HANA. We've uh, engineered new instance types, high memory instance types that we recently launched with six, nine, and 12 terabytes, the largest cloud-native instances to support SAP applications. It's one of the biggest growth drivers. As a matter of fact, ISG, the research firm, just came out uh, earlier this summer and uh, named AWS as the number one place to run HANA applications. That's not just public cloud, that's private cloud, that's colo, and it's something we're very proud of. So big, fast-growing business in the SAP space. Turn our attention to VMware. This is a partnership that got kicked off a few years ago and is as strong as it's ever been. We're accelerating this rate. We actually have had hundreds of customers sign up for the VMC on AWS offering. They're moving uh, dozens and hundreds and even thousands of applications. And they're doing that because they want certainly a better, a more flexible and cost-effective operating environment, but they want to extend those, 
those VMware environments with native AWS services like Redshift and EMR. Accelerated rate, it's customers like Brinks and Scripps and MIT that are moving this along. And partners are playing a terrific role here. We now actually have over 200 partners that have uh, satisfied the requirements for the competency program for VMware, VMC on AWS, including Roundtower. Roundtower is a great mutual partner of ours. They've helped PHH Mortgage uh, bring over 350 VMs to VMC on AWS in just three days. So terrific momentum there. Now I want to touch on Windows. For those of you who have been with us for a while, you know we're very passionate about helping customers and partners run their Windows workloads on AWS. And we've uh, invested quite a bit to make that happen. Uh, as a matter of fact, our Windows business, which is very large and rapidly growing, the vast majority of that business is led by our partner community. What may be surprising to some people is that uh, IDC just came out with a research report that shows that AWS has 57.7% market segment share for all Windows workloads running in a public cloud environment. Now, that may be a little bit surprising to some folks when you consider actually who the number two provider is in this space. But it's something that we're investing in deeply as we're seeing tremendous growth. And again, our partner community is driving the vast majority of that business. But of course, we're here to support our mutual customers. And we've got, you know, if, we don't, if, if, if our customers don't win based on the services and the products that we're providing, we don't win as a partner community. So I'm very pleased to have Pebble C. Monoling, the CEO, uh, CIO of Globe Telecom, that's going to come share you a story about their journey. Uh, Globe Telecom operates out of the Philippines. They operate across uh, 10 different countries. They have over 65 million subscribers, and they've been on a six-and-a-half-year cloud journey with AWS and our partner community. Please welcome to the stage Pebble C. Monolong from Globe Telecom. Thank you, Terry. And thank you for inviting Globe to share our journey. Good morning, everyone. The Philippines is a nation of 7,600 islands and 107 million people. And while we may be separated across many islands, we are united in our love for our country. But we face some big challenges as a country. Many Filipinos don't have access to basic services. 70% are unbanked, meaning they have no bank accounts whatsoever. There's only one doctor for every 33,000 people in some rural areas and 40% don't graduate from high school. And while the internet has changed the lives of many around the world, it still needs to trickle down to the poorest of our population. Consider that eight in 10 homes do not have fixed broadband access. 10% of our communities have no mobile coverage, and 40% of the population don't have access to the internet. But as the number one mobile service provider in the Philippines, Globe can have a big impact to our society. Our vision goes beyond being number one in telecommunications. We believe that we can help build the Philippines where families' dreams come true, businesses flourish, and the nation is admired. We want to uplift the lives of Filipinos by improving overall connectivity in our country. We see connectivity as key in addressing issues like financial inclusion, healthcare, and education. 
Given our scale, GLOBE is already well positioned to pursue this purpose. We have 65, mobile, 65 million mobile subscribers. We can directly serve more than 400,000 micro, small, and medium enterprises. And we have a network of 1.2 million retailers and distributors. So how can we make an impact? In the next few years, we want to connect 2 million homes with high-speed broadband at 50 Mbps minimum speeds. And we aim for 90% of Filipinos to be online. While our network modernization was going full steam, and business partnered, uh, forged partnerships to build new digital products, IT had to shift from being transactional and focused on operations to having a bigger and more strategic role in the company. We needed to deliver scalable and reliable platforms and increase agility while keeping our costs down. To support this mandate, we identified eight transformation pillars. I won't go through each one, but needless to say, the task was complex. And GLOBE needed partners who could help us bring all the moving parts together. AWS played a critical role in helping us realize our digital transformation goals across these pillars. Our partnership has deepened, and we now rely heavily uh, on AWS services. This gives you a sense of just how much we're doing with them today. The scale is beyond what we imagined, and it continues to grow. As part of our strategy, we developed a cloud transformation roadmap. In 2014, AWS provided critical support, including training, architectural design, and cloud evangelism. By 2015, we migrated 50% of our infrastructure, and provisioning fell from 80 days, for bare metal, to five days. By the end of 2016, we cut provisioning time from five days to two days, and 90% of our new infrastructure went into the cloud. In 2017, we expanded our hybrid cloud environment and optimized our workloads. This year, our focus is to complete migration of our legacy systems and the re-architecture of critical applications to be cloud-native. Looking at the bigger picture, since starting our digital transformation, Globe has experienced an average of 30% TCO savings. We've increased application performance by up to 15 times. And we've had 99.99% uptime and significantly improved our security posture in AWS. We've also increased business agility by dropping provisioning time from three months to now just hours, allowing us to experiment and innovate. At each stage in our journey, we worked with a range of skilled technology partners, and it goes much deeper than just a vendor relationship. The people in our partner community understand our business and are co-invested in our business outcomes. Today, AWS and these partners are deeply embedded in everything we do. Let's take a closer look at how some of these partnerships worked in practice. Oracle is used in 90% of our enterprise systems. 
and given its significant contribution to our operating expense, we decided to pursue open source alternatives. Globe uses Pilatro's link solution to send campaign-related marketing communications to our mobile subscribers. This is our first carrier workload migrated from Oracle to PostgreSQL on AWS. The migration reduced our Oracle footprint by 10%, leading to a cost reduction of $1 million on license and support fees from Oracle. Using SaaS Omnichannel Marketing Hub, we built a platform to process customer activities from multiple data sources to gain actionable insights. The platform was initially deployed on AWS using Oracle databases, but AWS demonstrated linear scalability with no performance impact by leveraging Aurora Read replicas. Today, we are seeing better performance at one-tenth of the cost. Based on the success of these two projects, we are now engaging with more ISVs to help us migrate out of Oracle. Here's another example of a partner engagement around customer service. Globe partnered with Amazon Connect and Amdocs to transform our call center experience across all touch points. In the past, our over 3,000 agents had to toggle across 31 screens with little visibility between channels and leading to frustrating experiences for our customers. Amdocs, with their telco expertise, provided the data and tools needed by Amazon Connect to give visibility and insight into customer interactions. We just launched this a few weeks ago, but we expect to, uh, to see significant reduction in average handling time, allowing our agents to focus on resolving customer issues. With Connect, we are reimagining customer experience while achieving lower cost to serve. In a strategic context, the transformation means that Globe is now able to engage with more content and technology partners through rapid integrations, allowing us to offer more services to our customers. The digital transformation has helped us grow revenue market share from 33% in 2010 to now close to 56% as of third quarter of 2018. And as we look ahead, the transformation continues. Over the next couple of years, we are focused on building a unified, services-centric cloud used by everyone across the organization, including our enterprise customers. With AWS and our partner community, we see a true digital future for the Philippines. Together, we are helping change our country and enable Filipinos to live a digital lifestyle. We have a clear path, and we are moving towards that future. Thank you. Wow. That's an impressive story. Thanks, Pebbles. That's, uh, I'm inspired. Yeah. My only ask of Globe Telecom is that uh, they expand here to the U.S. so I can take advantage of some of the things that they're doing for their customers here on a daily basis. But Aurora migrations, petabytes of data coming in, almost 10,000 instances, uh, Amdocs moving over, uh, strategic workloads, use of Connect. Wow, what a terrific story. 
on so many different dimensions with so many different partners. So thank you, Pebbles, for that inspiring story. If we look at uh, one of the things and trends that uh, is most exciting to me is really the pace and level of innovation that we see in the ecosystem. At AWS, we're very proud and we like to talk about our pace of innovation. And as a matter of fact, you know, last year we launched over 1,400 new services and features uh, to our customers and partner communities. We'll see where we end up kind of at the end of this week. I think there's a hundreds coming this week or something. We'll see what Andy has to, to say tomorrow. But we're very, very proud of the pace of innovation. What's even more exciting is if we step back and we look at our partner's pace of innovation. Our partner community is literally deploying hundreds of thousands of unique solutions to our customer base when you combine all of the IP from our uh, ISV uh, partner ecosystem, the professional services that are coming out uh, of our systems integrators, there's almost an infinite number of solution combinations that can be deployed for each customer. And each one of those solution permutations is a big business. So when you look at what started with EC2, SQS, and S3 about just over 10 years ago, has now exploded into literally you know, a massive set of innovation. And it's really being driven by our, our partner community, which is fantastic to see. One of the things and the trends that, again, I'm super excited to see is the value that the partner ecosystem is creating for your shareholders. You know, traditionally, in the partner world, we talk about profitability and margins and rebates and incentive programs. And these are all important things that help drive and build businesses. And it's something that we're investing in as well. But really, what's most exciting is we stand back and we look at the value that you're being able to create for your employees and your shareholders. We're seeing. Uh, Companies being funded at incredible rates at very strong valuations. You know, newborn in the cloud companies or organizations that have just recently gotten started, Contino and Lemongrass are two great partners uh, that have gotten strong rounds of funding to extend their business. If you look at the public markets, some of the best performing stocks in the public markets over the last year or two have been ones that have really focused on innovating around cloud services. Companies like Okta and Twilio and New Relic and Splunk and Tableau very strong partners that are seeing terrific shareholder return. And of course, in the M&A space, yeah, we're seeing a healthy uh, merger and acquisition environment uh, in the partner community. Uh, we've had companies like Hitachi Ventara, who just recently uh, acquired the combination of RainCloud and 47 Lining, two early innovators in our ecosystem. Cloud Health is another great example of a partner that saw an opportunity to innovate for customers around cost optimization and management. They've recently been acquired by VMware at a very strong valuation. And of course, Red Hat, uh, with a pending acquisition by IBM at $34 billion. Red Hat was the first enterprise software company to truly adopt cloud licensing on AWS, the on-demand pay-as-you-go more than 10 years ago. So it's super gratifying to see the value that our ecosystem is creating for yourselves and your shareholders. Now, the next wave of innovation is, has started coming last year. It's coming this week. I'm personally very excited about the launch of RoboMaker on uh, Sunday. I thought that was super cool. I can't wait to see what the ecosystem does with RoboMaker over the next uh, year or so. I might make for some uh, interesting keynote presentations next year. Uh, but what we've seen is tremendous ecosystem innovation around some of the services that are recently uh, announced. Let's take SageMaker in the machine learning space. It was just a year ago we uh, announced and launched SageMaker. We've got thousands of partners that are de deploying solutions for themselves and their customers using SageMaker. 
Uh, one of the, a great example of this is uh, Inner Wisdom out of London. Inner Wisdom is a relatively new partner uh, that is a very 100% uh, focused on machine learning on AWS. They've combined SageMaker with their own IP called the Ramp. They're helping customers like Magix. Magix is a technology provider to online job searches and classified advertising. And they're using uh, the combination of the two organizations to help match job seekers with employers. And they're doing that at an 89% accuracy rate. And they're doubling the conversions of actually uh, successful job uh, landing jobs, which is amazing. When you think about the cost and the time that it takes for us to either find jobs if we're looking or for employers to find the right employee, there's a tremendous amount of efficiency and cost savings there. And other partners like Slalom and Paraveda and Accenture and Siemens are adopting SageMaker at scale as well. Now we'll turn our attention to serverless. Serverless has been around about two and a half years now. Uh, tremendous partner uptake. As a matter of fact, we have over 20,000 partners in the ecosystem that are doing amazing things with serverless technologies. Uh, and if you look at um, one example here, Smartronics, who's been one of our longest running premier tier partners, they're helping the mortgage uh, insurance, uh, the mortgage service provider and uh, lender, Fannie Mae, uh, do data and analytics using an HPC solution that's powered by AWS Lambda. And what example they're able to process you know, 20 million different uh, runs at four times faster using this HPC serverless solution at one one hundredth of the cost, which is amazing, uh, amazing results using serverless. So it's a huge opportunity. Partners are leading the way for us in serverless. You heard Pebbles talk a little bit about what they're doing with Connect. Connect is one of the fastest growing services. It's been out for about 18 months now. We have a huge pipeline of business uh, behind this. It's very much partner-led. Another great example comes to us from the UK, where Arcus Global is helping the UK National Health Service uh, optimize their customer experience using a combination of Connect and AWS Lex uh, to create a chatbot solution, which is actually automating about uh, over 40% of the inbound calls that they get. That's over 5 million calls on an annual basis. It leads to tremendous efficiency and cost savings, uh, but of course it also improves the customer experience. So tremendous uh, new innovation uh, coming out with some of the more recently announced and launched services. Now, arguably the most consistent theme we see as we innovate on behalf of customers in our own businesses is the trend around data as the foundation of innovation. And I think that's, no that's you know, as I said, one of the most you know, uh, fastest growing trends that we're seeing. And when you look, stand back and you look at it, you know, data in our ecosystem, in our world, is very similar to what oil was back in the early days of the Industrial Revolution. Tremendous opportunity to unlock innovation and power innovation, but data, just like oil, needs to be discovered, it needs to be extracted, it needs to be moved, it needs to be refined, and then it needs to be turned into products that are useful. Otherwise, the opportunity is missed. And the ecosystem within AWS is leading the way here. There is no better place to process, run, store, and analyze data than the AWS cloud platform combined with our partner solutions. And the first thing we have to do, of course, is move data into AWS. We've got a terrific partner ecosystem that's making that happen at scale. Uh, all kinds of use cases, integration use cases with partners like Informatica and Matillion. Uh, we're seeing partners like Commvault and Cloudberry and Druva and Rubik and Veritas and Dell EMC that are actually enabling customers to migrate at scale massive amounts of data into the AWS platform. We're now talking exabytes. 
You know, in years past, it's been petabytes. Now it's exabytes that are moving at scale thanks to the partner community. And once again, once that data is into the AWS cloud and the cloud platform, then we can do some super interesting things. We've got tens of thousands of partners that are using our storage and our analytics services, including Redshift and EMR and DynamoDB. And we've got a terrific ecosystem of ISV partners that are also adding unique value out on top. It's companies like Tableau and Domo and Splunk, uh, Snowflake, Databricks, uh, Datadog, an amazing uh, collection of ISVs that are helping customers turn that data into insights and products. And one of the partners that's really been leading the way for, uh, with us in this space for a very long time has been Sumo Logic. Sumo Logic has been a terrific partner in terms of helping us engineer new services. They're all in on AWS. They're helping to drive the roadmap, and they're pushing us to be a better go-to-market partner. And I'm super excited to have Sumo Logic come and share their story. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome President and CEO of Sumo Logic, Ramin Sayer. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here today. I've had the wonderful opportunity to partner with Amazon and on behalf of Sumo Logic. It's been an exciting journey. We thought we spent a few minutes talking about that journey. And more importantly, also talking about how we're helping our customers see business differently through our machine data analytics platform. And that's a core theme of what you just heard talk about, because in this world that we live in, the tsunami of machine data is predicted to grow to 16 zettabytes by 2020. To put it in perspective, that's as if you were to stream the entire Netflix catalog over 30 million times. While that's a lot of data, What's more important is we're just at the cusp of the beginning of this opportunity together. This is what we like to refer to as the analytics economy, because what it's helping us do is not only find different ways to gleam insights and intelligence, but also together as a community, find different ways to be able to monetize that data. So let's talk about how we've done that and what we've done with Amazon. Well, our journey actually started eight plus years ago with Amazon. We started with a different idea, a new idea that was premised on trying to democratize machine data and be able to provide access to a lot of different types of customers. So what we saw very early on was our platform was being used by developers and other teams to be able to troubleshoot their complex workloads built on AWS and other cloud providers. Quickly what started to happen though was it started to virally expand in the organization across different solutions. 
not just DevOps or TechOps, but into security, IT operations, lines of business, and more. And so now today, we're in a fortunate position to be able to be the de facto machine data analytics platform of choice for this new era. So while the success of the platform has been really great, the partnership with Amazon has been fantastic. We made a strategic bet to go all in with Amazon many years ago, and we've consumed a variety of services, as you can see here. But it's not just about the consumption of these services, it's about the partnership. And that's why I'm here today to talk to you about. This partnership started very early on, not just consuming services, but finding ways to innovate and push each other, and I'll talk about that a little bit more. Secondly, was not just about how we develop stuff together, but also how we actually took it to market through competencies and various go-to-market tactics that we'll talk about a little bit more as well. So let's take a closer look at each one of these three. Well, like I mentioned, we've co-developed dozens of services with Amazon over the last few years, or AWS over the last few years, but it's not just about those services. We have a healthy relationship. Sometimes it's somewhat of a co-opetition as we push each other, but it's always made us both stronger in terms of how we brought new service offerings to market. So while this has been great, what also has been phenomenal for us is how we actually package this up through various best practices, or what we like to refer to as competencies, and started to deliver those to the ecosystem. We started with a DevOps one, and then started building out a future security competency because we knew that fundamentally the security posture needed to change. And most recently, we also added the big data competency. So besides innovating together and building competencies, we've actually spent a lot of time thinking through and iterating what we do on the go-to-market side. So we've done a variety of things around demand gen and lead gen. We've done a variety of things around field engagement, co-selling. And that's put us in the position to be the number one SaaS partner for AWS globally. More importantly, what we've also done is we've expanded globally together. And that's allowed us to partner with managed service providers, managed security service providers, system integrators, and more as we took our business outside of North America into EMEA and into Asia Pacific. So while that success has been phenomenal to date, it couldn't have happened without the hard work of our engineering and product teams building the mission-critical platform that a lot of our customers rely on. And this platform and the vision that we've had for this platform all along has been to help with three fundamental values for our customers. And those center on, first, the only platform that unifies and brings together various types of data in a single service, that whether it's application data, infrastructure data, end user data. It's the telemetry, it's the logs, it's the metrics, the events. Secondly, it's not just about collection of all this data. It's also about providing ubiquitous access, or we call it universal access. Because old analytics tools fall short because they cannot keep up with the volume, but also the ubiquitous access that users need and want. And so while we've done this, we've also learned a lot. Customers want a value-based consumption model. They are sick and tired of the data tax from other technologies and vendors and legacy tools. And they want a service like Sumo that's built on Amazon so they can have different cost models associated with that consumption. And therefore, that's a big driver for us together as we look forward in this opportunity around big data. So today, we're fortunate to have several thousand customers analyzing a couple hundred petabytes of data every day and prosecuting or executing millions and millions of searches. However, we have just scratched the surface here, and I want to talk about very quickly a few opportunities we have together to be able to monetize the analytics economy. 
First, it's opportunities for targeting customers that are born and bred in the cloud. They need our help to be able to figure out better ways to monitor and manage these distributed applications and be able to be able to elastically scale those. Great example of that is we help fortify Fortnite. If you guys are playing, I know I play, my kids play all the time, and it's a phenomenal game, but game experience in the application is critical. The second opportunity that we should target together is those who are in that lift and shift. Those who are trying to modernize their applications and bring them to not just the cloud, but also into this dynamic world. So a good example of that is what we've done with USA Today, helping them with the recent elections that was unplanned and a lot of the things that took place, but also a lot of the planned activities they have in the media space. In addition to lift and shift, the third opportunity is fundamentally rethinking security. Unfortunately, SIM has been a dirty word for many years, and it's our time to clean it up, and it's our time to share the responsibility to really embrace this DevSecOps model that's coming to bear. Great example of that is we help protect Pokemon, and Pokemon's users are children, and cybersecurity and threat and identity and, uh, is really critical for them, and it's not just about the technology, it's about the new way that they're operating together. And last but definitely not least, a great way for us to partner together is to leverage this volume of data that's coming about. And that is the rise in the analytics economy. So a great thing we've done with IoT is with smart things. And these four categorize different ways that we can help monetize what we refer to as analytics economy. So with that, and in summary, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here, share some of our stories and experience. I wish you the best of luck at the conference. We look forward to partnering with you as you embark on this journey together with us in the analytics economy. Thank you and have a great conference. Thanks to Ramin and the, uh, the Sumo Logic team. Some terrific stories there. And again, a terrific partnership that's pushing us on all uh, kinds of dimensions. Programs go to market, of course, on the engineering side, just as we expect all of you to do as well. So uh, thanks for that, Ramin, and the terrific partnership. I want to turn our attention a little bit to some of the asks we hear from customers and the partner community. Uh, when we go out, and what we've, I've, I've met with uh, literally hundreds of thousands of customers over the last few years, and the feedback is pretty consistent. It says, help, it, help us make it easier and faster to use AWS services. Make it easier and faster to innovate. Give us prescriptive guidance. Give us more package solutions so we can move faster. And we're investing a tremendous amount in a, a, a number of different dimensions to make that a possibility. The first area I'll talk a little bit about is investing in hybrid solutions. Uh, now, we've been doing this for about uh, just over 10 years now uh, across AWS. We started with VPC and Direct Connect, services that enabled hybrid. Of course, we've gone on to use Snowball and Snowball Edge to make hybrid more effective. And of course, we've been investing in partnerships, uh, VMware being a strong partnership in the hybrid space. But we also have hybrid partnerships with the likes of Red Hat and Pivotal, and more recently, Pure Storage. We're very excited about the recent uh, announcement and launch of our hybrid partnership with Cisco. Cisco is now going to be running their Cisco hybrid solution for Kubernetes on AWS, which deeply integrates Cisco cloud platform with AWS's EKS and ECS services uh, to give a, a much tighter uh, and faster 
uh, hybrid solution for those customers running the Cisco environment, enab enabling that portability into the AWS cloud. So hybrid continues to be a big focus area for us moving forward to make it faster and easier. The second thing I want to talk, talk a little bit about in terms of prescriptive guidance is customers in our field sellers tell us, hey, plug us into the right partner at the right time that has the right solution for my use case and my need. You know, a number of years ago, we started investing in micro ecosystems, if you will, through our service delivery and competency programs. We have now have over 40 of these that are uh, deployed globally. We're continuing to invest the lion's share of our technical and our go-to-market and our funding resources in these programs. And one of the hottest topics we've seen over the last uh, really 12 to 18 months is around containers. Yeah. Customers love the ability and the portability, the flexibility, and the ease of use of containers. And really, containers are starting to become you know, more the de facto standard, certainly for new applications being deployed, but also applications that are being refactored to run on the cloud environment. And We've got thousands of partners that are using AWS native services like EC, uh, EKS, ECS, and Fargate. And what our customers have told us and asked is, who are the ones that we should be working with? Uh, give us prescriptive guidance here. So today at reInvent, we're launching the APN competency program for containers. We have 17 partners that are participating in this program across three different dimensions, foundation, monitoring, and logging, uh, and security. So thanks to all the partners there. I would encourage all the rest of you who are thinking about uh, containers uh, to participate in this program. Next, I want to turn my attention to Internet of Things. Uh, we've got, again, thousands of partners that are leveraging IoT services uh, with AWS. This is IoT Core. This is Greengrass. This is Free RTOS. Uh, and customers and partners have been telling us uh, since the launch of these services, hey, make it easier for us to find well-vetted devices that we know pre-integrate with the AWS cloud and can work seamlessly. We don't have to want to go through all of the testing in the muck of having to find those devices and do the testing ourselves. So one of the things that uh, we're launching today is a new program that makes it faster and easier for partners to qualify their devices called the AWS Device Qualification Program which enables uh, hardware and silicon vendors to uh, test their products with our native AWS services through AOT, uh, AWS IoT Device Tester. This is available today. We have now got uh, dozens of partners who've been through the pilot program, uh, make, again, making it easy and fast for partners to self-validate their IoT uh, hardware offerings. And of course, once uh, you validated those products, we want to make it easier and faster for customers and partners to find those products. So in addition to the device qualification program, we're also launching the AWS Partner Device Catalog. There's over 140 devices that have been pre-validated with AOT, AWS IoT services that are in the catalog today, again, from dozens of different partners. And we're going to be greatly expanding this uh, in 2019 moving forward. So a lot going on in the IoT space, again, to make it faster and easier and more prescriptive. Another area that we've uh, had lots of requests for is from the ISV community. We've got tens of thousands of ISVs that are now running their products on AWS. And one of the biggest demand areas from not just customers, but from the ISVs themselves is help us move to SaaS on the cloud in a much more effective and efficient way. We launched uh, AWS SaaS Factory uh, at, at the end of 2017. We're continuing to invest deeply in this program. 
This is a team of technical experts and business experts that are helping ISVs transform their business and using best practices around multi-tenancy, IAM, uh, the use of Aurora as the underpinning database for SaaS offerings. Uh, and one of the uh, more recent emerging trends is around AWS PrivateLink. At this event last year, we launched AWS PrivateLink, which makes it super easy for customers that are running a SaaS solution on AWS to connect that solution to their native AWS environment via VPC, which means that it, uh, traffic between the two environments doesn't have to traverse the public internet, leading to a more secure solution and uh, lower overall networking costs. Super important in a lot of highly regulated industries, and it's become rapidly becoming the best practice. Partners like Snowflake and Dynatrace on uh, many others are using private link. And we've actually had, and this is a core foundational element now of our SaaS factory, which hundreds of partners have used over the uh, last uh, year to get those best practices for deploying SaaS on AWS. And this is an area where we're gonna be actually tripling our uh, resources in 2019 so we can scale more effectively around SaaS solutions. Now I wanna talk a little bit about quality. And, uh, you know, delivering quality. As I said earlier, if we don't deliver quality solutions and have a maniacal focus on having deeply trained and certified people, we're not going to be able to perform for our customers and we're not going to have strong businesses. And training and certification is really table stakes. Uh, we continue to invest a lot in the area of training and certification. As a matter of fact, we've subsidized the, the certification of tens of thousands of people in the partner community in 2018. We're going to expand those offerings. Uh, customers are also now telling us when they're actually embarking on a very large project with AWS and partners, they now need professionally certified architects. That is the biggest area of demand. As a matter of fact, more than half of the customers we surveyed are now demanding a strong bench of professionally certified folks. We're investing to make that easier. We're investing in online training. Actually, we have now have hundreds of free online courses to give you those deep technical skills for professional certifications. More in-person training we're investing in, more boot camps, uh, more game days to make that happen. But of course, quality does not stop at training and certification. What customers continue to tell us is, we've got to continuously improve and iterate on the architectures that are behind uh, the applications that are running on AWS. This is a journey and not a destination, so we need to continuously evolve. And customers are asking uh, for us uh, to, to come up with a program. So we came up with something called the Well-Architected Program. The Well-Architected Program is something that we've developed uh, over the last couple of years based on literally thousands of customer engagements where we've seen frameworks and best practice patterns. We've packaged that up into a program that we're now deploying to our partners. So we're giving you that IP and that expertise. We actually uh, piloted this program this year. We have over 100 partners participating in the Partner Well-Architected program. They've done hundreds of well-architected reviews for customers. Customers are uh, very, very pleased with the results. Uh, uh, the Net Promoter Score is off the charts for the partners who participated, and probably most importantly, the partners that have done well-architected reviews for our mutual customers have seen immediate follow-on business at over a 70% conversion rate. So it's not just helping customers, but it's helping our partners build the business. Now I want to turn our attention and you know, really recognize a group of partners that have delivered with terrific quality and innovation over the, the last years. This is our premier tier partners. Now we have uh, 86 partners across the globe who've reached the premier tier status. You can see the list here. 
And I'm pleased to say that you know, over the past uh, 12 months, we've added an additional 27 new partners to the premier tier list across all kinds of different companies, across all parts of the globe, Argentina and Vietnam uh, and uh, Europe and APAC and of course here in the US. So thanks to all of the partners uh, that are now new AWS Premier Consulting Partners. Terrific investment, terrific focus on customer obsession and innovation and long-term thinking. Now one partner that's been a Premier Tier partner uh, with AWS for a very long time is a company called Slalom, Slalom Consulting. Slalom has uh, for years now been a tremendous innovator. They've pushed us uh, to be a better partner. We've done hundreds of engagements with Slalom. They deliver with a tremendous amount of quality uh, and I'm very pleased to uh, have the CEO and founder of Slalom Consulting, Brad Jackson, who's going to come join me on stage for a brief fireside chat. Please welcome Brad Jackson from Slalom Consulting. Hey, Brad, how are you? Great to see you. Thanks for making the time to uh, share some thoughts with this uh, terrific group of partners. Absolutely. Wow. Did you ever think, you know, eight years ago when we started working together, we'd be here with an audience like this? Uh, I did think it would happen, but I thought it would happen in 2030. So you've over-delivered by 12 years. Wow. Well, it's, uh, a lot of it has to do with the advice you've given us over the years and the work we've been doing together. So thanks for that. Um, so I, I've got to ask you, and maybe you can start with a little bit about kind of who Slalom is and how you've grown, but you know, what market signals did you see you know, in the early days that said, hey, this AWS thing might be something to invest in. I mean, you started early with us, long before it was a foregone conclusion this cloud thing was a reality. Yes. And I want to start with, on behalf of my slalom teammates around the world, on behalf of all AWS partners, thank you, Terry, and thank you to every AWS team for the spectacular difference you've made in our lives and in our communities and the value you've unlocked for our joint customers. Uh, we, we had the opportunity back in the early days of 2010 to become one of your first partners. And we had uh, one of our, our largest clients at the time due to a big regulatory change in the US needed to completely reinvent their business in about six months. They needed to go from a B2B company to a B2C company almost overnight. And the internal estimates were four months to stand up the infrastructure internally, and that wasn't a good answer. The great answer quickly became AWS. The transformation was a spectacular success, and they now are leading their industry today. Uh, we were hooked. We loved the vision of AWS. We bet the future of slalom on the future of cloud, and it turned out to be a really good bet. Today, we're a $1.5 billion company, 28 markets around the world with a plan to get to 50 in the coming years seven build centers, and our 7,000th employee will join next year, which has been incredible. Not quite AWS numbers, but we're, we're, we're doing good. None of this would have happened without AWS, so thank you. Well, that's, that's super impressive. I think none of it would have happened if you hadn't listened to customers, right? <laughs> so I think uh, we've won yes. based on you know, listening to customers and innovating on their behalf. Congratulations on the terrific growth. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of how the pace of innovation has changed how you work with customers? Mm -hmm. I recently spent time with the CMO of one of the world's best-known companies, and she shared with me how they had recently made an important discovery, yet the first customers will not benefit from that discovery for more than a year because they haven't yet made an investment 
in a modern operating foundation. And the other thing that's happened is for the first time in history, her company is growing at 0%. Now, if you look at the history of the Fortune 500, uh, typical growth rates have been in the 2 to 4% range over the years. We're now seeing that accelerate. I expect the end of this year, uh, we'll see across the Fortune 500, 6% growth rates compounded over three years. Mm -hmm. Now, only 12% of the original Fortune 500 are still in business. And 10 years from now, many will still be in business. Um, I believe some will not. And many of today's emerging and mid-market companies will become those great enterprise companies tomorrow. I am seeing the, the greatest gap that I've ever seen in the growth rates between the companies that can quickly bring new innovations to market and those where it's taking a year or more. And the greatest accelerator of innovation in history it is the cloud. And compound annual growth at double digits is a wonderful thing. It's becoming almost impossible to get there without 100% commitment to the cloud. Uh, we as partners can deeply influence the pace of transformation in our clients. And our clients from 2020 will thank us for the warm candor that we provide them today in accelerating those journeys. Great, fantastic. Now, as, as I talked about in the intro, and uh, yeah, one of the things that I've been so pleased about the partnership is the level of quality with which you guys deliver. I, mean, I can honestly say, in the years that I've been working with Slalom Consulting, I have not gotten one quality escalation to my level in the, all of the hundreds of engagements we've been doing. I'm sure there's probably been issues <laughs> at the field level, but you guys have done a great job taking mm -hmm. care of those and really focusing on customer obsession. I mean, how are you doing it? Uh, usually when uh, things go bad, either the, the partner gets blamed or one of the IT executives. And it's a lot like sports. If the team's winning, it's, it's the team. If the team's losing, uh, the coach gets blamed. If you're a, a basketball fan, uh, you might know that the Golden State Warriors have been to the championship uh, four, last four years, they won the championship three times. You may know that they lead the league in scoring. What you may not know is there's not a big difference. The difference between champion and average is only seven points a game. And there's a couple other stats that, that they lead in. They are number one in the league in effective field goal percentage and number one in the league in assists. And the reason that matters is most players shoot better off the, the catch and shoot versus the dribble and shoot. Uh, almost 25% better. Uh, the, where I'm from in Seattle, the, the Seattle Storm just won the championship. Once again, number one in assists and number one in effective field goal percentage. And so we, we can learn a lot in business by borrowing from sports. There's really three things we do to ensure quality. One is a relentless focus on team. That is, our cross-disciplinary teams that's working with you. And then we learned a long time ago that uh, the most successful projects have three components. One, it is one of the greatest priorities of the IT organization. Two, you have the best people from business. And three, you have senior level support that is unwavering the support. If you're missing one of those, uh, things go wrong. So that was first. Second, we are very, very focused on metrics. We do all the you know, customer stat or satisfaction, net promoter scores. We go to a whole new level. We have a 10-point system to measure customer love. We measure how well we're doing living our values, things like do what's right always. We measure how well we're doing helping our clients grow the expertise and leadership of their teams. We actually measure how much 
our, our customers feel like we care about their personal success. Mm -hmm. And then third, we take a very long-term view. And so uh, what starts with a project, we're often looking at what can we help and what can we achieve with them over the next two, five, and 10 years. That's terrific, great advice. Now the last question is a bit of a two-parter, if you will. Okay. So, you know, I love to get feedback from partners. So one of the things I want to ask is what can we be doing better to help our mutual customers? And the second part of that question is, you know, what are you most excited about moving into next year? You could take that either way you want, but it's a two-parter there. Okay. Do, can we open the first one to the audience? <laughs> However you want to do it. <laughs> um, in helping our customers, um, half or perhaps more of our customers' customers are women. And I know at my own organization, we're doing a really good job on inclusion. Um, we're, we're getting there on diversity. Uh, we're, we're nearing 40% of our, our total team size as women. There was a shocking statistic, and, and I'm kind of embarrassed to share it. Uh, I looked at our certifications on AWS. Uh, we're, we'll, we'll get to probably 1,000 next year. Only 6% of our certifications on AWS are held by women. And we need to fix that. I don't know how close that aligns with overall certifications. Um, we started a project internally uh, around diversity called Project Ava in honor of Ava Lovelace, the, the world's first computer programmer. Um, I would love AWS to lead the way for all of us to get to gender equality in AWS certifications. That's great advice. Great advice. And I can personally tell you, this is, this is near and dear to my heart. I have two daughters, and I want them to be able to be professionally certified in AWS. Whether they want to be or not, I think it's an important goal. Okay. <laughs> I certainly want them to have the option and capability. It's, it's one of the, the biggest things we can do together, um, and it will completely change. It'll, it'll change the world. I couldn't agree more. Uh, what I'm most excited about, I, I'm excited about the, the, the partner organization you're building and how it's integrated with customers, not separate. Um, we grew our AWS business 100% in the last year. I'm excited to, wow. to come close to doing that again. We're launching a new, a new category uh, called Build as a Service, Lull and Build. I'm excited about that. If I look at what I'm most excited about, and you can tell I kind of like numbers, if you add up the revenue, of every company in the world for the first time in history, it's $100 trillion a year, and it's taken thousands of years to get there. The world will likely get its second $100 trillion in the next 25 years. And imagine the opportunities and the challenges that, that will create. I believe we're living in uh, history's greatest era, a, a time when uh, a small group of teams can make a difference close to home and influence millions of people around the world. I'm excited to be part of that journey, and I'm excited that AWS is leading the way. You have a, a pureness, a nobility, and a long-term focus, and I'm glad it is, is no one else. I'm excited to, every year we've talked about doubling down. Uh, we've done that together, and I'm just excited to be part of uh, the, the world's uh, second hundred trillion in commerce coming soon. Well, that's fantastic. Brad, thanks for the advice. Uh, we certainly wouldn't be where we are today and wouldn't be getting to where this next hundred trillion without a super strong partner ecosystem and fantastic relationships and advice that we get from partners like Slalom Consulting. Thanks, Brad, for the uh, wisdom and insight. Really appreciate your time. All right. Thank you, Terry. Thank you. Great insights from Brad. And, uh, 
uh, hopefully you took some good notes there. I think there's a lot we can learn from, uh, from what Brad and the Slalom team is doing. Now, very fortunate to have another customer that's going to share their story with us. This is Allianz Insurance. Uh, terrific story and journey on not just how they're using partners, but how they're innovating around data and transformation and migration. And when you step back and you think about it, the insurance industry is arguably the most data-centric industry on the planet. Uh, it's all about managing risk. It's using data to create the right products and the customer experiences. And it's obviously incredibly technology intensive. And Allianz has been around since 1890 doing this. So a long-term innovator doing many super interesting things. And I'm very happy to introduce and have come on stage. Please welcome Bern to the AWS Partner Summit. Bern? Thank you, Terry. It's uh, terrific to be here to share what Allianz has been doing with AWS and its partners. To start, let me tell you a bit about us and our digital transformation. You may not be familiar with Allianz as a company, but you probably know or have used our services. Here's what we do. If you hit a lamppost with your car, we take care of the damage. If you get sick, we pay the doctor. If you want to happily retire, we save with you and for you. So we serve consumers, but we also serve businesses. We ensure planes, factories, pipelines, even Hollywood productions. And we constantly add new products and services to tackle modern risks, such as drones or cyber attacks. Allianz is global, and we do insurance and asset management at large scale. We are present in 70 countries, and we have grown into a leading global player in an industry that generates almost $5 trillion worldwide. Looking at this industry today, it should be a paradise for digitization. First of all, our product is an intangible. It's just a legal contract. And then everything we do seems to be based on logic, data, or rules. The entire industry, by its very nature, would seem like the perfect case for digitization. However, the reality is that insurance remains heavily focused on person-to-person -person engagement. You have probably heard it by now from my accent anyway, but I'm representing Allianz Germany. And in Germany, almost everybody lives within five kilometers of a physical Allianz outlet and can enjoy full in-person service. And while replacing this with online self-services seems inevitable in the digital age, what we are actually seeing out there, observing from actual customer behavior, is quite surprising. Of course, we have seen a shift. The share of customers who rely exclusively on in-person service who never check us out online, has dropped dramatically from almost 100% a decade ago to below 20% today. Online is giving people the transparency, the simplicity, and the 24-7 easy access they like. And based on this development, you would probably expect to see a very high share of digital business. But quite surprisingly, far less than 10% of our customers today do insurance 
entirely online. All other, the majority, prefer a combination of both worlds, online and in person. And as much as customers enjoy the ease of self-service provisions, they're still looking for help and guidance from an insurance agent from time to time. They like to interact with people, people they trust for decisions, people who show empathy in a crisis, and people who give real help when needed. And trust is the key to understand this. Because in insurance, trust doesn't grow easily out of everyday experience. Fortunately, severe accidents are rare. Trust is, however, extremely important because if something happens, it may be life-changing. And that's why many customers base insurance decisions on the kind of trust they often only find in people. A close friend always tells me, I go to this nearby agent of yours, she says, because he's part of my community. I know his wife, I know the kids, and I know if I need help, he'll be there. And you know what? If her basement flooded, he'd be there indeed. He'd care, help to organize, clean up, and then we, as Allianz, would pay the bills. It is the human element, though, that can make the abstract nature of insurance tangible. And the phenomenon of customers combining online and in person is not a strategic workaround, no flimsy excuse for too little courage. It is, on the contrary, the difference between failure and success. So to be successful in meeting customer preferences, Allianz must deliver the perfect combination of digital access and personal assistance. That's our strategy. And here's how that looks. In a typical customer journey of somebody deciding for a new car insurance, you see both in service, uh, online service touch points and personal advice moments. To make this a great seamless experience, we need a continuous use and handover of data. Let me illustrate that. Take a look at one situation here. When the customer decides to switch from the Allianz website to a video consultation with an agent, two things need to happen now in a second. First, we need to select the right agent, the perfect fit out of 8,000, based on the customer preferences. And second, we need to give this agent the real-time access to the relevant information the customer may have already given to us online. So what we do here, we are in the process of embedding the physical personal touch points into a fully digitized system. And for that, we are changing our entire infrastructure. And we are in the middle of one of our largest technological challenges ever. We don't do this alone, but with strong partners. We need the cloud, and we work with you, the AWS community. We are in this journey together now for a few years. And here's what we have achieved so far. Our jump into the cloud started with our application layer, where, for example, our quote-and-buy infrastructure sits. In Germany, we are now migrating some 300 services, and we are 50% done. All new applications in this layer, by the way, 
are cloud-native. We have also started to tackle customer-facing pages and portals. And AWS partner Continuo did a great job with my colleagues at Allianz UK. As our strategy is to be cloud-first, we have, of course, also started to explore possibilities for mainframe migration. Most recently, we have conducted a pilot with Microfocus. But here, I have to tell you, more work needs to be done. Because in the financial services industry, migrating the core systems is complex for at least two reasons. First, we manage a huge amount of historically grown data. And second, the requirements, the security and regulatory standards are quite high. And we, as a global insurance company, need to be very thorough in addressing these requirements, country by country, by the way. So I am looking to you, the AWS community, to assist us, and I invite you to join our exciting journey. It will be a journey to success. Last year, we completely revised our car insurance ecosystem. New product design, new customer experience, new seamless connection between online and offline, all based on advanced technologies. And we also created, of course, features for real-life help. After a car breakdown, we offer our customers to be on the move again in only 60 minutes, wherever they are, and customers love it. You also get a quote in only 60 seconds. And with all of that, we managed to more than double our new business after launch. That's our strategy in action, 100% digital with human touch. And I hope you will continue to write this success story together with us. I hope you will support us, enable us, and collaborate with us, always following one principle, Think digital and be human. Thank you. Thanks, Bern. Wow, another terrific story. So many different partner angles there, but you know, transforming their business in the industry around digitization on the cloud. You know, using partners like Microfocus and Contino. Awesome story. Thanks very much, Bern, for sharing that with us. Now, some other feedback that you've given us uh, over the last year and the years past is that we need to do more to invest in helping you build your business. And this is something we're very passionate about and committed to. Talked a little bit earlier about some of the investments we're helping in to build solutions and make, give prescriptive guidance to make it easier and faster. Now I want to target, turn a, a little bit of attention to how we want to help you get to market faster and work more effectively with our field organization. So the first piece of, of, of request you've had is help make it easier for us to navigate your program so we can get access to resources and funding faster. And we're doing this through the AWS Navigate program. This is something we launched earlier this year. It's automated. It gives you a much faster path to unlocking the benefits in funding through AWS. And now we have uh, 12 different paths uh, with three launching uh, here at reInvent, IoT, HPC, and DevOps, in addition to the others that we, we've launched previously. So helping you get to market with solutions and competencies faster. 
The second thing you've asked us for is more resource around marketing to promote your offerings and to develop more leads. Uh, as a matter of fact, in the past two years, we've more than doubled the cash investments we're making around lead generation and advertising and solution promotion for our partners. And one of the things that we've implemented based on your feedback is more of a direct uh, connection between our various partners and solutions uh, that, may, that then promotes those solutions to customers that need them. We launched AWS Solution Space earlier this year that brings these connections together. Uh, Solution Space has been actually been used by over 100,000 customers already this year. It's generating uh, hundreds of thousands of leads for our partners, and it's getting to the, the customer the right solution or the prescriptive solution faster. And this is going to be something we're doubling down on. So if you're not participating in Solution Space, it's an area we're investing. We encourage you to join, uh, join us in this journey. So that's market. The last piece is how do we help sell together? And as I mentioned earlier, we're very excited and proud about the work we're doing to accelerate our joint field engagement on the front end of the customer journey. We've seen some terrific results there. And one of the key success factors and mechanisms that we've created to support that is a, new, uh, a relatively new role in the AWS world called the Partner Success Manager. This is a role, and this is a team of people that live in the field with our field sellers that are really the last mile connectivity between the customer, our field seller, and the partner. And they're 100% focused and goal on making sure we plug the right partner into the right customer opportunity very early in that journey so we can create much tighter collaboration. And that's why you're seeing a terrific increase in the amount of uh, uh, new partner attached uh, wins that we're seeing together. Uh, we're going to be uh, doubling uh, this field team uh, in 2019. Actually, we'll be more than doubling that team. And we're going to be having a disproportionate amount of focus, actually, on uh, making sure we're working more effectively with our ISV partners. So a lot of investment on the go-to-market side on the, and the field sales side. And lastly, I want to talk about some of the program changes we're making. You've given us feedback and guidance that, hey, make it more prescriptive and clear in terms of what benefits and investment we get by reaching different tiers in the, in the APN partner ecosystem. So we're going to be launching very prescriptive benefits for each tier. These are going to be guaranteed benefits for all the partners that achieve the different tiers. It includes cash funding and training and certification subsidies, a proof of concept funding, and go-to-market and lead generation funding. And lastly, we're going to be changing the name of the standard tier partners to Select. We think the Select brand better reflects the value and the solutions that our partners in that tier are bringing to our mutual customers. So some interesting program changes there and investments. Now, of course, when we talk about go-to-market, we talk about innovation, one of the biggest investments we've made over the years is in the area of AWS Marketplace. That team continues to innovate at a super rapid clip, making it much easier for customers to find the right software products and the right license uh, configurations, the right deployment mechanism to support their cloud journey. And I'm very happy to have the AWS Marketplace team share some new innovations with you that they're launching here at reInvent. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Vice President of AWS Marketplace, Service Catalog and Migration Services, Dave McCann. Good morning. And uh, I can't believe it's another year since reInvent 2017, and a whole year has flown by. And uh, time flies when you're having fun and you're innovating. Uh, there's a lot of people in the audience today from a mixed role. If you think of it, we have consulting partners, we have software vendors, and we have customers. 
And what we hear from our customers is that they want to move the majority of their applications to the cloud. And as they move those applications to the cloud, they're modernizing, they're re-engineering, and most applications are woven in with third-party software. So a recurring theme that I'm going to talk about for the next few minutes is our customers want to migrate. They then have to provision software for those applications. And what we're hearing increasingly is they also want to govern and control what software is being used where. And so that's a set of challenges that our customers have to solve. It's something in which our consulting partners need to be expert. And frankly, it can't be done without the software industry. The software vendors that our customers use have to modernize themselves and provision in new ways. Marketplace's job is to create a world-class experience for both our customer, but also for the software vendor. And I want to give you an update today on how we're helping our customers migrate, provision, and govern. And over the next three to five years, if you run the math, millions of applications are going to be migrated to the cloud, and software has to be modernized and replaced as customers do that. Let's talk about the momentum that we've seen in the last year. Two years ago at reInvent 2016, for the first time, we announced that we had over 100,000 customers who were showing up to Marketplace, finding and subscribing to third-party software. And that software could be open source, free, it could be an operating system. It could be a bring your own entitlement from a number of vendors, such as Tableau, who are giving you the entitlement to bring the software. Or it could be a brand new subscription to a piece of software that you're actually using on your migration to the cloud, and you're replacing one vendor with a new vendor. So we've got over 200,000 customers. A new number I want to share with you today as an education is that we have over 950,000 subscriptions. That's an important educational perspective. If you're a small business with 50 applications to run your business, we're seeing small businesses have several subscriptions through Marketplace. But it's now not unusual in a large enterprise to see two, three, 400 subscriptions by different engineering teams to software products out of the Marketplace. And if you talk to somebody like Pearson Communications, a $4 billion global publishing company in the UK, they would tell you that they use over four dozen different software products in their engineering teams around the world. So what does that tell us? That tells us that we're creating an experience for the developer with the collaboration of software vendors. And the collaboration of the software vendor is that we're setting up a set of APIs that takes some of the heavy lifting for the ISV. And today, I'm pleased to say that we are now over 4,500 listings. A listing is a product that can be subscribed to. And this reInvent, we're adding over 100 new software vendors and over 300 new listings. And I'll cover a few of those in a minute. So we're increasing the choice so that the customer can find the software. And we want to give the developer a consumer world-class experience where they can find, subscribe, and provision the software and then control it as it gets published out to other teams. And that adoption of software makes migration of the application portfolio to the cloud much easier. So let's talk about some of the patterns that we see with this adoption. We have over 35 different categories of software. And in fact, in the next few days, you'll see us expand the category set uh, with some of the announcements I'm about to make. But if you look at the common categories amongst the 35, you know, we have over 400 operating system images in Marketplace. And so if you're running SUSE Linux to run SAP, you want Ubuntu or Debian with multiple versions packaged in different ways, 
The primary thing checked out of marketplace is an OS for a project, and of course we're embedded in the EC2 console. But right after that, you see popular categories like security, networking, storage, BI, database, and then all the way over to DevOps. As customers build out large fleets, two, three, four, five, 10, 20,000 instances, now you're applying the app dynamics, the new relics of the world to manage and control the performance of your instances alongside all your security software. And what's happening is that these software vendors, as we work with them, leverage each API that we improve. So for example, this year, we extended the surface of our SaaS contract API, and it enabled somebody like NetApp to launch one of their products called Cloud Volumes. And we also extended how consumption is metered in the SaaS contract API so that Teradata could actually bring their latest cloud product right up onto AWS Marketplace and they're launching it this week. So all of these software vendors are adding more products and in the case of Cisco, they're adding two new networking and security products this week and now Cisco's almost got 20 products in the category in Marketplace. Now we also have to engineer a great experience and for a Marketplace to work, a Marketplace has to work for both the buyer and the supplier. So when we talk about being customer obsessed, our marketplace engineering team has to obsess about the buyer experience, which is the developer, but we also have to obsess about the seller experience, which is the product manager and the engineer, the software vendor, who's actually using us as part of their publishing pipeline, and they're publishing new versions right into marketplace, and then we're the digital catalog, and we stand it up in all standard regions, and we also stand it up in GovCloud. So I wanted to highlight three recent innovations that really make a difference. Interestingly, to give a buyer experience, you somehow have to work with the seller. So our buyers said, we love the ease of finding software, we love the ability to switch it on, but we want best price. Standard pricing on the marketplace, we want to negotiate. How do we allow a negotiation across the marketplace? We actually had to work with the seller to create a workflow for the seller to choose to quote a private price into the master payer account of the organization who wants to negotiate. And we launched that, it's called Seller Private Offers. And since we launched it last year, we now have over 150 software companies that are publishing private prices. You, you alone as the buyer see it. There could be terms associated to the price. And now you're seeing multi-million dollar contracts performed in marketplace between ISVA and buyer B. And companies like NetApp, F5, and AppDynamics worked with us on what that workflow had to look like. Now, an equally important journey on the cloud is when you're migrating your applications to the cloud, you actually want to bring on new vendors. And the customer wants to evaluate vendors quickly. And as one customer said to me, I have 6,000 software engineers and I have two lawyers. And so we can write code in two week sprints, but we can't seem to do contracts in two weeks. It takes 20 sprints. So how do we get the sprints on contracts down to the same length as the code sprint? And the answer is our customers co-designed with us a standard contract called Enterprise Contract for Marketplace. It's 107 clauses. And we've now had over 100 major entities, buyers and major software vendors endorse Enterprise Contract. And just recently, Axel Springer, a major German publication, have adopted enterprise contract, consummated a contract through Marketplace, and we're adding amendment clauses in there for GDPR and for data residency in Europe. So we're constantly morphing the contract, and making it easy for a workflow between the ISV and the buyer. 
Now, for our consulting partners in the room, the big change that I'd love to update you on that we made four weeks ago was that until four weeks ago, Marketplace had the concept of a buyer and a provider, which is the manufacturer of the software. We had no concept of the VAR or the consulting partner. And our customers told us we have a trusted supplier. So on the trusted supplier, we've now put the consulting partner in Marketplace. Now, I'm pleased to announce that we're going to extend the capability of Marketplace to containers. And today we're releasing AWS Marketplace for containers. When we launched Marketplace six years ago, we provisioned an AMI. Then we provisioned CloudFormation templates. Then we provisioned software as a service. But a lot of people are moving to ECS with the great adoption of ECS and EKS. And so today, available, you will find container-based software from over 35 software companies, people like CloudBees in the DevOps space, Tigera and networking. Uh, we've got people like Aqua and Twistlock over security and Software AG, who have got a whole portfolio of applications uh, development software, Software AG out of Germany are actually publishing 10 different products in the container marketplace. You can deploy it and find it right out of the ECS console. It deploys also an EKS. And the software can be metered by the second and billed monthly or billed by the hour. So it's another set of flexibility as you move your applications onto a containerized model and move to the cloud. Second thing I want to add to our capability is improving the governance of the software used. So a lot of large companies want to know what software they can recommend to the developers. This morning, I'm pleased to announce the availability of private marketplace. A lot of regulated companies, a lot of large corporations like Verizon, like Change Healthcare, like a Capital One, told us we'd really like to curate the approved products, curate the approved vendors, and now you can create a private marketplace for Change Healthcare, a private marketplace for Verizon, and you curate down the vendor and the product and publish it to your teams, and now the teams know that they can be using that particular software. Now this connects directly to our next governance platform, which is Service Catalog. And if you remember last year, to save you writing a lot of JSON, if you actually subscribe to an AMI and Marketplace, we launched a workflow, copy to Service Catalog, we automate the generation of the JSON, we save you a few hours of JSON writing, and we move the AMI right into a portfolio on Service Catalog. Service Catalog is the team portal where companies like Verizon are using Service Catalog to publish approved resources to dozens of teams. And I'm pleased to say that recently we published a connector to ServiceNow. ServiceNow have over 4,000 customers. A lot of our customers asked for a connection. And from the ServiceNow portal, you can launch any AMI that is sitting in Service Catalog through the Service Catalog API. And we've done all of that connection with a connector. And in addition, for the DevOps journey, we've just recently added SSM actions, so now verbs that can be applied to resources are directly in the service catalog end user console. So you can bring your software in, subscribe on a marketplace, copy to service catalog, and automate operations with SSM actions right in service catalog. So the beginning is an emergence here of migrate, provision, entitle, and govern. And you're seeing the connection of this as we connect together a set of services from all of our AWS migration services to marketplace where you find the third-party software and to service catalog where you have the construct of portfolios for teams. 
And so with combinations of migration hub, marketplace and service catalogue, we're making it really easy for our customers to migrate, to provision, govern and innovate. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dave. Now I know how the Marketplace team gets so much done. There's actually two Dave McCanns, as we saw in the, uh, the opening video. Now, Dave actually had an idea. He suggested that uh, I should come out here in a kilt for the last part of this uh, session, which I thought would be pretty interesting. He looks much better at it. And then when I said, hey, this is going to be a fireside chat where I'm going to be sitting down, I thought about that might be a little awkward. So I decided not to go with the kilt idea. But thanks for the suggestion, Dave. So, we're going to close the session with uh, fireside chat with Andy Jassy, like we have done uh, uh, every year here at the Global Partners Summit. Andy has been a super passionate supporter about the, uh, the partner business and the partner ecosystem. And every year that we go and present our plan around how we want to invest in partners, Andy continuously challenges us. Are we investing enough? Are we moving fast enough? How can we do more? So we're pleased to have Andy spend a few minutes with us sharing some deep insights on how we can uh, do some things differently moving forward. Please welcome the CEO of AWS, Andy Jassy, to join me for a chat. Hey, Andy. Great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Busy week for you, huh? Action-packed, but it's great to be here. Thank you. Wow, that's incredible to have all these people here. Thanks for coming, guys. Appreciate it. Now, now we've chatted a little bit uh, earlier today about uh, kind of our plans around HQ2. And uh, for those of you don't, that don't know, Andy's from New York, and he's a super passionate Giants fan. And uh, there's a rumor going around that you know the Giants are kind of slumping this year. And then maybe it's part of the decision for HQ2 is a, you know, that you could actually spend a little bit more time keeping an eye on your home team. Is that in fact true? <laughs> they need a lot more help than my being in New York. That is a team that uh, I, I wouldn't count the Giants out next year, but uh, there's a lot of work to be done, as you know, Terry. Not a fun year for Giants fans. This uh, next year theme is, seems to be, seems to be uh, more, more I frequent. Know, I know, but we have won two Super Bowls since 2007. That's Not a lot of teams can say that. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Okay, on to a little bit more uh, uh, partner-specific content. So, you know, we've worked with partners from the very beginning, and you know, I'm curious to understand your thoughts on what have you seen change with our relationship with partners in the overall ecosystem? Yeah, well, you know, from the very start, of AWS, really from the, the day that we started planning on launching the first service, our partner ecosystem has always been incredibly strategic and important for us. And that's because we knew that our customers would want to be able to use the same consulting partners and the same software they used to run on-premises, but to be able to do that in the cloud on our technology infrastructure platform. And so that has always been strategic. It continues to be really strategic. And I think that we've come a long way together over the last 12 years in the market together. And lots of differences. I mean, obviously we have a lot more partners than we did when we launched the business. And you can see that in this room today and, and, uh, and we can see it in the market. And you know, I think on the, um, on the SI side, in the early days of the cloud, most of the work and most of the heavy lifting, frankly, was done by the born in the cloud or more regional SIs who just were faster to jump onto the new medium. And 
uh, we had a, lots of conversations and we were um, educating a lot and, and doing work on the periphery with a lot of global SIs. But it's only been really the last few years that we have seen global SIs um, jump in with two feet um, in, in helping their customers move. And so that is, you know, the combination of a number of these SIs that got started in the cloud and saw it as a net new, brand new opportunity to build a business and change the landscape and help customers, along with the global SIs now getting really serious about the cloud, has made it much easier for customers to get help moving to the cloud. Now, you know, it's interesting. One of the observations I have is that when I talk with large enterprises who are thinking about making this big shift to the cloud, sometimes they say, I'm gonna do it with the partners I've been using for the last 10, 15 years on premises. Other times they see the move to the cloud as this brand new breaking point to make all kinds of new decisions, including which partners they use. So um, it's incredibly important as you have, you know, either as you have existing customers that are making that move, or if you're trying to do business with new customers, to just be deep uh, in whatever platform you're trying to help them move to. You know, I think that's another thing I see consistently in our work with SIs, which is the, the consulting partners that really take the time and make the investment to train their staff to be deep in these platforms, and not just one or two teams, multiple teams, because there's so much business right now where they want your help. Those are the ones that are both making progress, getting the right results for customers, and the ones that we're hearing from all the time, customer-wise, where they actually like them and they're talking positively about those partners. You know, then I think on the ISV side, and the SaaS provider side, you know, again, an incredible amount of ISV providers who uh, adapted their software to build on top of our technology infrastructure platform. You know, most will do that for a platform. Some will do it for two. Very few um, are going to find it worth the investment to do it for three. And, uh, you know, we're really excited and working with all, all of you. Um, I think apart from the ones that have built all in from the get-go on top of the cloud and AWS, like the Acquias and the Domos and the Slacks and folks like that, we see more and more ISVs and SaaS providers who are moving more of their customer bases to the cloud, you know, these, you know, Salesforce and Splunk and Workday and folks like that. And the other thing we see in the ISV space too is that they're finding ways to leverage the functionality and ecosystem across AWS more expansively. Um, one obvious way is, you know, you had Dave McCann up here talking about Marketplace, but Marketplace has really become a really significant and meaningful channel for a lot of ISVs to distribute their software. But we also see really um, uh, interesting and useful ways that they're using the platform, like with things like PrivateLink, where AWS PrivateLink allows, if you have customers who are using your software um, uh, running on top of AWS and a VPC, um, those customers can access their own data running in AWS and VPCs through this PrivateLink which is you know, additional security, uh, lower latency, more streamlined, and just a better way to work together between their own data and then their ISVs data. We're just seeing incredible momentum for that. So th those are some of the ways I see some of the changes. Great, great insights. Um, now let's turn your attention a little bit customers. You talk to hundreds of customers a year on a very deep basis, and you get a lot of different advice. And you know, based on what you're hearing specifically from customers, you know, what, what areas should our partners be investing in to support these new customer requests? Yeah, um, 
If you've ever seen the movie Finding Forrester, where he says, this is not a soup question. <laughs> this is not a soup question. There are so many areas that customers want your help on. But, you know, I'll pick a few themes. You know, I think first, uh, there are a lot of, you know, if you look at the size of our business, AWS in the last financials we released is a $27 billion revenue run rate business growing 46% year over year. And I think we're just at the early stages of the meat of enterprise and public sector adoption in the U.S. Outside the U.S., I'd say we're 12 to 36 months behind, depending on the country and the industry. So there are a lot of mainstream enterprises that are just now starting to plan their approach to the cloud in, in any kind of meaningful way. And so the first thing is they really want help doing an end-to-end -end portfolio analysis. And looking at all of their workloads and which ones are easy to move to the cloud, which ones are medium hard to move, which ones should go last because of the dependency and legacies they have, which ones should, can easily be lifted and shifted, and which ones should be re-architected before they move to the cloud. We do lots of those typically in conjunction with our um, SI partners, but they're looking for help doing those portfolio assessments. And then they really want help doing the mass migrations. And there's lots of ways that you can plan these mass migrations, and the companies and consultant partners are doing so, but what they really want is they want typically a migration that takes, I'll call it two to five years. The fast folks want to do it as fast as possible. There are others that are going to move slower, but they don't really want it to go on much longer than that because then it's, you know, projects that last much longer than five years really tend to drag. And, you know, how you do that mass migration in what sequence and that plan um, is some art and some thinking and requires working with teams based on their capabilities. So uh, mass migration is a second area. I think a third thing is I do not encounter enterprises that I speak with today who are not looking to flee Oracle or SQL Server on the database side. People are sick of the older guard database providers that are expensive and proprietary and have high lock-in, and where the interests of those database providers uh, are, are, you know, are, are paramount to the interests of customers. And with the advent and growth and maturity of Aurora, people are looking to move as fast as they can, but they need help. And so you know, I think that there are a lot of partners out there today who have probably had very lucrative practices in, uh, in database factories and Oracle database and things of that sort. I think when you really think about what your clients want and what's best for them over the long term and what's a net new opportunity that uh, is both good for customers and good for you, I think database migration is another piece. Um, I hear enterprises all the time wanting help thinking about how they can innovate at a faster clip. And, you know, it's funny, a lot of the enterprise EBCs that I get to be involved in, I'd say roughly half the content of those are enterprises asking me about our offering and how we think about our business and what we have planned in the future. But a good chunk of every one of those conversations are enterprises trying to learn how we move quickly and how we invent quickly. And I think that enterprises realize that in this day and age, if you are not reinventing fast and iterating quickly on behalf of your customers, it's really difficult to be competitive. And so I think that they want help from you in how to invent faster. Now, part of that 
is being able to operate on top of the cloud and operate on top of a, a platform like AWS that has so many services that you can stitch together however you see fit. Some of it also is, how do people think about DevOps? Um, how, do, um, how do people think about organizing their teams? You know, what are the right constraints that you have but that still allow people to move quickly? So you know, I think those are some of the areas that we hear over and over. Of course, people are very interested, and you could probably build very successful practices and add a lot of value in some of the newer areas like uh, serverless and uh, IoT and machine learning and analytics. And those are all areas they want help from, among many. Great, great insights. Let's talk a little bit about data. We've talked a lot about data this morning and the importance of data in the cloud and how it drives things like machine learning. Give us a little bit of your perspective on kind of how partners should be thinking about data as it relates to cloud. Well, you know, I think the very first thing that your clients need help with is how to actually get their data into the cloud. And I think a lot of times people forget about how important that is, but enterprises have gobs and gobs and gobs of data that sits on premises that they're spending too much money on, that actually isn't really that durable, that isn't that available, um, that's degrading and, and not necessarily um, well known inside the enterprise. Um, but it takes work to actually move that data to the cloud. And you know, in AWS, we have 11 different um, transport mechanisms to get your data into the cloud, about twice as many as anybody else. And, whether you're talking about just you know, straight up direct connect or streaming data through Kinesis Firehose or mass movements of data through Snowball or Snowball Edge or Snowmobile, uh, or even the two new data transfer services that we launched in the last day or so, which you know, uh, AWS Data Sync, which is kind of a, a real-time synchronization replication capability with uh, your own network through AWS, and uh, it's about 10 times faster than, than the uh, open source um, protocols that you have, or even SFTP. I mean, there are so many companies that still have to deal with data in FTP and that want to move it through secure FTP where we launched an SFTP managed service. So that the first thing is really helping customers get organized about how to move large amounts of their data into the cloud so then they can take advantage of the analytics and the machine learning that's capable in, in AWS. And I think the second you know, big theme that I would point to is I think once customers get that data into the cloud, they often get there and then they need help figuring out how to get set up. So, uh, you know, the very first thing people need is they need a landing zone. You know, uh, if you're an enterprise, you're going to have multiple teams with multiple services, typically from multiple locations. And how do you set up a secure multi account environment, really a landing zone? in the cloud and AWS. And we have lots and lots of customers and partners who've helped customers do that, but they really need help. And they're really sometimes can get par either paralyzed because they don't know how to do it, or they do it too quickly without best practices and the right guardrails. And then later on, they wish they had spent a little bit of time setting that up. So I think you can really help people there. I think security professionals want an easier way to take all the, the security services they use from, uh, from many of our security software partners, um, as well as some of the security services AWS offers as well, and find a way to aggregate all of those findings and normalize that data to get rid of this awful pivoting 
between different consoles and then having to do the work yourself to normalize that data so you can read it in a coherent way. I think giving a, a security professionals some kind of cockpit and an easier way to do that um, would be helpful. And then, you know, everybody wants a data lake. And data lake is kind of, in some ways, it's, it's um, this year's version of machine learning and big data and the cloud. It's just everybody wants a data lake. We have over 10,000 data lakes on top of uh, S3 and AWS today. We have a lot of experience with it, but it's hard work to set up a data lake right. I mean, there's, there's work to set up the storage ahead of time, to move all that data, and to you know, crawl the, um, you know, the schemas and get that set up the right way, and to tag the meta metadata and set up a catalog, and to set up all the security, and to partition the data so it's efficient and cost. I mean, it's just a lot of work. And I think you can really help people with all of those elements as they have their data in the cloud to get set up so that they can comfortably and securely and quickly take advantage of all the capabilities with analytics and machine learning that the cloud brings. Great, great. So once you have the data in the cloud, now, if you look to the future, you know, what should partners be thinking about for some of the future trends now that they've got applications migrated, data's in there, what should partners be thinking about looking forward? Well, I think there are a lot. You know, I think that, um, you know, first I would say, just in general, the basic unit of compute is getting smaller. And you know, I think people will use EC2 instances forever, just given the nature of certain workloads that consume uh, all the CPU or all the memory or all the storage or um, that, you know, are constrained by I.O. or, you know, uh, um, FPGA. So they're going to always use these instances, but more and more companies are looking to uh, use containers. And, uh, you know, we have, we have an incredible number of customers now using containers on top of AWS, and we have a lot more offerings there than you'll find anywhere else. And, you know, if you want to use the container that has the best integration with the cloud and AWS, People use our Elastic Container Service, or ECS, and it's incredible how large a business that is today. And it's easier, because we control ECS, we have control over the pace with which that iterates, and so anytime we launch a new feature, we can make sure it works with ECS right from the get-go. If you want um, to build a container uh, implementation on top of Kubernetes, which we have tons of customers doing on top of our managed Kubernetes service, EKS, which is just growing incredibly quickly, we have this managed uh, Kubernetes service. And that's also well integrated with AWS as well. It's just, it'll always be a little bit slower to be integrated because there's a broader community you have to work with to integrate all the capabilities and features of the AWS platform. Then if you don't even want to deal with servers or clusters when you have containers and you just want to manage at that task layer in a serverless fashion, we have Fargate, which is the easiest way to manage containers, which we announced at reInvent last year, which also is growing unbelievably fast. And then if you think about the number of customers now who are doing event-driven serverless computing um, through Lambda, uh, which we pioneered a few years ago, I mean, hundreds of thousands of customers are using Lambda in every imaginable way. And I think a whole generation of builders will grow up building these serverless applications. So I, I think that's the first area. Compute is changing really rapidly where you're going to want to help customers um, evolve too. I think we talked about database earlier. I think not just people being um, very anxious to move away from older guard database providers like Oracle and SQL Server to Aurora. I think the other big trend we see is that the days of using relational databases for all your workloads has come and gone. That ship has sailed. 
People are using purpose-built databases for the particular use cases and workloads that require different demands in a database. There are a lot of workloads, so what they want is a really fast, single-digit millisecond latency key value store at massive scale. That's what we have DynamoDB for. And there are some customers who say, look, I can't stand single-digit millisecond. I need microsecond latency for a limited amount of data where I'm willing to pay a little bit more for that. And, uh, that's where you see people using in-memory data stores like ElastiCache. Or increasingly, you have customers who have these really large data sets that have a lot of interconnectedness to them that are typically better served by graph databases um, than you know, bogging down a relational database and, and how slow those queries would be and the complexity of all the, the schemas and the indexes you have to build there. And so I think increasingly what you're seeing is that customers are, um, they inc they're increasingly building in this microservices fashion where they're taking components as opposed to these big monolithic all singing dancing pieces that do everything mediocrely but that they're taking smaller components that do that thing really well, and that's what they're using to build their applications to have better performance and better cost. And I think you're seeing that throughout the database space, and I don't think we're done. I think you'll see a lot of other database services that really do particular elements well. You know, and, and uh, you know, I think a bunch of other areas that you see people um, investing very deeply in, um, analytics is obviously one of them, but I think machine learning, I think the vast majority of applications over the next five years or so is going to have machine learning and AI infused in them. It's going to completely change the way that you build applications and what end users of those applications expect those applications to be able to accomplish for them. And then, you know, I think the edge is quite interesting as well. Uh, I think there are already millions of devices everywhere in our homes, in our offices, in factories in oil fields, in agricultural fields, in planes, and ships, um, in uh, automobiles, everywhere. And those devices have a lot of data that they're collecting that you want to actually take that data, move it to the cloud, store it, do analytics on top of it, and then give intelligence back to those edge devices, and have the same programming model where the device can decide itself which type of uh, triggers should be doing analytics in the cloud versus should be doing the analytics in the little bit of CPU you have on those devices and then not making that round trip to the cloud and taking the inference or the prediction or the action really quickly on that device itself, but using the same programming model, which is what we've built with Greengrass. And so I think those are all really big strategic areas. I think the last one you should start thinking about, because I think it's coming too, is AR and VR. Um, we just have an increasing number of customers. Robotics, too, by the way. If you haven't seen Bill Voss's and, and Roger uh, Barger's announcement at Midnight Madness about our new robotics service, RoboMaker, we just, that's another area where increasingly you're going to see companies using robots to do all kinds of things, not just in delivering end-user experiences, but also in just taking care of the operations of their own business, where they're going to need help uh, figuring out how to actually um, build the robot, uh, figure out how to build the application around it, do the right simulation, be able to then deploy it, have it integrate with the right other infrastructure capabilities. Those are all big opportunities for all of you. Wow, wow, there's a lot there. Yeah. Now you mentioned- Also not a soup question. That is not a soup question. 
Um, covered a lot of ground there. You touched on AI and machine learning a couple of different times. Can you just take us one or two levels deeper on the world of uh, machine learning and what yeah. partners should be thinking about? Well, you know, I think that, uh, as I mentioned, I think it's a, a pretty transformational opportunity for companies and for all of us together. And uh, we think about machine learning as having three macro layers of the stack. At that bottom layer is for expert machine learning practitioners. And these are folks who are comfortable building models, training models, tuning models, and deploying them. And uh, these folks care about the infrastructure that they're running on top of. And you know, most of the deep learning and machine learning in the cloud is done on top of AWS's P3 instances. We just announced the P3DN instances, which will have 100 gigabit per second networking, which will totally change the game and the scalability of these models that customers can run. Um, but they also are going to want to use multiple frameworks. Most of the providers today are trying to funnel everybody into TensorFlow. And TensorFlow, for sure, has the most resonance with customers today, but you know, and 85% of the TensorFlow that runs in the cloud runs on top of AWS. But the reality is that more than half of our customers who uh, run machine learning run multiple frameworks in their everyday machine learning work. And there are, you know, if you're doing recommender systems or natural language processing or video analytics, it turns out that MXNet scales the best. Or if you're doing computer vision, Cafe 2 is really great. Or, all kinds of incredible research being done on top of PyTorch 2. And so we're going to support them all equally well because we have this very strong belief that customers want the right tool for the right job. And then if you think about it, there aren't that many of these expert machine learning practitioners in the world today, and most of them hang out at the big tech companies. We're trying to train more of them in universities, but if you really want machine learning to be as expansive as we all believe it can be, you have to make it more accessible to everyday developers and data scientists. And that's really what we've tried to build over the last couple of years with SageMaker, which we launched last year at reInvent, which is a total game changer for everyday developers and being able to much more easily through a managed service uh, visualize um, what's interesting in the data, select the algorithm and frameworks, uh, train the model, tune the model, deploy it in a fault-tolerant way and maintain it moving forward. And it's incredible, um, you know, thousands and thousands of customers are already using SageMaker in just a year and are standardizing their machine learning on top of SageMaker. And so, you know, GE Healthcare just mentioned yesterday uh, at Peter's talk that they're completely all in on top of SageMaker. So that middle layer is incredibly important. And then at the top layer of the stack are for companies that want to plug into machine learning models without having to build them themselves effectively through APIs. And you know, it's, it's things like, here's an object, tell me what's in it. Here's a video, tell me what's in the video. Here are some faces, is this a face and does it match this group of faces I give you? Um, and we have recognition, which is a computer vision service that does that. Or, you know, here is um, text turned into speech, which we have poly for. Here's, um, speech, transcribe it to text so I can uh, digitize it, which we have transcribed for. Here's all this transcribed text translated to a lot of languages, which we have translated for. And um, here's this transcribed, translated corpuses of text. How do I actually know what the heck is in it without having to look at that, in which we have comprehend for, which is natural language processing service. And there are a lot more capabilities that customers are asking us to provide there and that we will. I think most modern companies will use um, 
machine learning and all three layers of that stack will all be really important. I think that um, in many ways, um, for most enterprises, because most enterprises have large amounts of data, that middle layer may end up being the most important in, uh, liberating and enabling layer because they want to be able to have more people working on finding the gems in that data. And there are so many, but you just have to enable more of the enterprise to be able to do it. And that's why we think SageMaker is such a big deal. Wow. Wow. Okay. So any last takeaways that our partners should think about and maybe a hint or two on what's coming from tomorrow? Can I get you to tell us, uh, spill the beans? <laughs> We'll have a few announcements tomorrow during my keynote, and uh, so I, I, I think it won't be boring. And uh, you know, it, it's it's a lot of content um, with a lot of really interesting things uh, all the way through. So uh, I, I, you know, I recommend coming. But uh, I think there's a few takeaways. You know, to me, um, I mean, you'll make your own takeaways as you're here for the week. But you know, I think people need your help. There are so many customers that need help making this move to the cloud, and, uh, and people want help doing it. So I think you have a huge opportunity. Uh, you know, I think that making sure that you have the right training and, uh, and education inside your own shops, so that you can be deep enough across multiple teams to handle all of the demand that exists today. Uh, you know, I, I think also, you know, um, I remember as a kid, I, I used to play competitive tennis, and I used to play a lot of tennis tournaments. And uh, if you play tennis tournaments competitively and you're not one of the best few players, uh, you lose most, you know, at some point you lose in, in every tournament. Uh, and I remember so many times coming off the court and my dad saying to me, um, well, you played not to lose. And I would say, well, what are you talking about? He said, you did not play to win, you played not to lose. And he said, you know, you were worried about so many other things that you actually just didn't focus on what, would really, what it would really take to win that match. I think, you know, that applies to anything that you're doing where there's a lot of noise, and a lot of opportunities, and a lot of distractions. I think that what we see over and over and over again is that our customers who have the most success and who are the most happy with the partners they work with are the ones who really know the depths about what they're advising clients on. And I, I would say that, you know, whatever you decide to pursue, and you get to choose what you pursue, make sure that you've got the depth where you're not hedging and you're not playing not to lose, that you actually are really focusing on what a customer's need and how can I be really skilled and excellent at helping them accomplish their goals, because I promise you, and once you get through the first couple projects successfully, there's a lot more to come, and there's a lot more technology coming from folks like us that they're going to want to employ. And so I just think that, the, that you know, today is such a seminal time in people moving from on-premises to the cloud that people are picking their partners they're going to work with for the next 10 to 20 years, and you have an incredible opportunity if you really engage and go for it. Well, thanks, Andy. This is a terrific advice on so many different dimensions. Really appreciate the time and the advice to the partner ecosystem. Special thanks to all of our guest speakers as well. Uh, Pebbles from uh, Globe Telecom, Byrne from uh, uh, Allianz, uh, Ramin from uh, Sumo Logic, 
and of course, uh, Brad Jackson from Slalom Consulting and Dave McCann. Really appreciate that. And thanks to our whole partner community. You know, simply put, I think this industry, this ecosystem, and this business would be a fraction of the size that it is today without your continued passion and support for our mutual customer success. So thanks for everything there. Thanks again, Andy. Have a great reInvent, everybody, and thanks for attending. Take care. Take care.